For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the themes of Passover. This is part two of the series. Now we want to look at some other principles of exile and redemption. Principles of exile include the following. Exile comes about from sin or breaking the covenant. Exile is associated with the God of Israel hiding his face. When the God of Israel hides his face, the wicked in the world prosper. The exile is likened unto being in a wilderness. The exile is likened unto the people of the God of Israel being asleep. The exile is likened unto the presence of the God of Israel being in exile as well, the Shekinah or the Shekinah, which represents the presence of the God of Israel. In the book, From Exile to Redemption by Rebbe Schneerson, there is a comment that says, what is the ultimate goal and intent of the exile? Exile is a process of atonement or refinement. As in the words of our prayers, because of our sins, we were exiled from the land. Exile is associated with the God of Israel hiding his face. And hiding his face means the world is isn't visibly recognizing the God of Israel and his place in the world. And it seems that life doesn't make sense. The wicked can act wickedly and prosper and the righteous can act righteously and suffer. That's a characteristic of exile. But those things will not be the case in the time of the redemption. The exile is likened unto a wilderness. Wilderness alludes to the time of exile. This is also a commentary from the book From Exile to Redemption by Rebbe Schneerson. In uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 35, it speaks of the wilderness of the nations. And the wilderness of the nations is a place of snakes and vipers and scorpions and drought. In other words, the enemies of the God of Israel are all around you when you are in the wilderness. Exile is associated with being asleep. And also, the divine presence of the God of Israel isn't manifested visibly in the earth so that all the world recognizes that Shekinah is in exile also. But, and we need to understand the principle that even though the people of the God of Israel are in exile, the God of Israel still is with his people. Remember what Yeshua said? I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. And he says, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of his people. Now principles of redemption includes the following. Redemption comes about when the people of the God of Israel repent. The repentance process is encouraged through suffering that comes upon the people of the God of Israel. And redemption is associated with the God 
it is a revealing his face. Redemption is like a birth pang. Redemption is not comprehensible to the logical mind. It is likened unto a dream. And the redemption is foreshadowed by the words Joseph and Isaac, or Yosef and Yitzhak in Hebrew. Why does the God of Israel hide his face? Why does it appear that he's not working in the world and in your life possibly the way you think that he should be working? And it seems like, where are you? He's hiding his face. Well, he hides his face for the purpose of arousing his people to seek his face and come back to him. That is because the relationship between the God of Israel and his people is likened unto a marriage. On the one hand, God has hidden his face from his people. As it says, on that day I will hide my face for they have turned to other gods. This is Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 16 and 17. So all that we have to do to heal this rift, this marital rift between the God of Israel and his people is to turn our face back to him, to repent and to seek him and his ways. Oftentimes this process comes about through personal suffering. And how do we understand this principle? That's because the olive oil in the menorah in the Mishkan or the tabernacle it is said about it, it was crushed for illumination. Didn't Yeshua say that we are the light of the world? So in order to illuminate we have to be crushed. Israel is likened unto an olive tree or an olive to teach you that just as an olive does not release its oil unless it is crushed so too the people the God of Israel don't show their true light which he's called us to be unless we go through a crushing as well. Prophetically this time of suffering is known as Jacob's stress or Jacob's trouble. When the God of Israel redeems his people he shows his power. He shows his mighty stretched out arm and his hand. It says I will display my power and I will bring forth my host from Egypt and Egypt will know that I am the God of Israel. Redemption is likened unto birth. Exile is likened unto pregnancy and redemption is likened to birth for Zion has been in labor and has given birth to her children. And so in Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 4 through 7 it talks about the people of the God of Israel being in travail and in Jeremiah 30 verse 7 it says that that time of travail is Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble was likened unto a birth pang. And in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 it says there'll be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. So it's a time of a birth pang. It's a time of travail. For us in our minds to comprehend how the world's got to change as we have got accustomed to seeing it and understanding it to how it will be when the God of Israel displays his mighty hand and his outstretched arm and all the world recognizes the God of Israel. That is almost incomprehensible to the human logical mind. It's likened unto a dream. Well in Psalm 126 verse 1 it says when God returned the exiles of Zion we were like them who had dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Laughter is the word Isaac. So Isaac is associated with the redemption, the meaning of his name. Also in speaking about the redemption of the house of Jacob in the end of days it says in Isaiah that God will again extend his hand a second time to take possession of the remnant of his people. The word again there in Hebrew is Joseph or Yosef. So the word Joseph is used with the redemption as well the word Isaac is used with the redemption. The meanings of their names. Now let's go back and look at these principles back in Genesis chapter 15 verses 12 through 14. The first one being that deep sleep is likened unto spiritual slumber. In Isaiah chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 it says he said go and tell this people hear ye indeed but understand 
understand not, and see you indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. And so when the people of the God of Israel are not obeying him, it is said regarding them that their eyes are shut. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 9 and 10 says, They yourselves in wonder, cry ye out, and cry that are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. He's closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, has he covered. Isaiah 29, verses 11 and 12, And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned and say, Read this, I pray thee. And he says, I can't. The book's sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he says, I can't. I'm not learned. What is this book that is sealed that you can't understand it if your eyes are closed? It's the Torah or the word of the God of Israel. One who has learned, one who studies the Torah, can't tell you really what it means because it's sealed. One who doesn't study says, well, I can't tell you what it means. I don't study it. Great darkness back in Exodus chapter 15 verses 12 through 14 is a prophetic reference to exile. Psalm 107 verse 10 and 11. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. So in rebelling against the God of Israel, they're sitting in darkness. Exile is likened to the people of the God of Israel being a stranger in the land where they are living. Exodus chapter 2 verse 22, and she bare him a son he called his name Gershom, for he said I have been a stranger in a strange land. Exodus 23 verse 9, and also you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing that you you were strangers in the land of Egypt. When we're living outside the land of Israel, we're living in a strange land. Moses then is called because and connected with Yeshua's covenant with Abraham. And Genesis 17 verse 7 and verse 8, the covenant is between Abraham and his seed. Galatians 3.16, the seed is the Messiah. And the promise is to give the seed of Abraham the land of Canaan. We see the connection here in Exodus chapter 2 verse 23 and 24. It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and the cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and Jacob notice he called Moses because he remembered his covenant with Abraham Isaac and Jacob and traditional Christianity where you have a dispensation of ages and you have a various covenants that are made and these covenants are seen as being unique and separate from one another is often said, well, we have the Abrahamic covenant. Well, we have the Mosaic covenant. No. The God of Israel called Moses because he remembered his covenant with Abraham. There is a link between the two events. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, it says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. And look what it says. The Lord said, I know their sorrows. The word sorrows is the Strong's number 4341. In verse 8 of Exodus 3, it says, and I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now look, because of their bondage, I'm coming down to deliver. You see it? Messiah, because the world was in sin, he came down to deliver and bring them out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. This word sorrows in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 is the Strong's number 4341.
one. It's the Hebrew word makov, which means pain or sorrow. So let's look at this word used in reference to the exile. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 12, it says, For thus says the Lord, Your bruise is incurable and your wound is grievous. That is the wound of the exile. Why criest thou for your affliction, your sorrow? That word sorrow, makov, which is the same word that we found in Exodus chapter 3. Your sorrow, your affliction is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity, your sins, because your sins were increased and I have done these things to you. So here's the prophecy of restoration, Jeremiah 30 verse 17. I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of your wounds. I'm going to heal you of your sorrow and your affliction, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion whom no man seeks after. Another way we can cross-reference and see the connection that this is actually a prophecy of the God of Israel redeeming his people through Yeshua the Messiah and also a prophecy of looking upon the affliction of the worldwide exile of the house of Jacob and redeeming them. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 once again says the Lord said I know their sorrows. Now cross-reference this with Isaiah chapter 63 verses 8 and 9 which says he said surely they are my people children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. Who is the Savior? It's Yeshua the Messiah. And so in verse 9 it says about the Savior in all their affliction he was afflicted. He personally identified with the afflictions and suffering of his people. In their affliction he's afflicted in the same way that they are afflicted. That's why he can say I know their sorrows because in all their affliction he was afflicted. So we have this principle which is mentioned by Rabbi Schneerson in the book Anticipating the Redemption. The principle is that each individual person are obligated to see themselves as if they were personally redeemed from Egypt. On page 25 of the book it says to explain our stage to state that in each and every generation and on each and every day a person is obligated to see himself as if he left Egypt that day. Even though you weren't literally in Egypt you're obligated to see yourself that you leave Egypt. You leave the world and the world system and the God of Israel is taking you from your bondages and your sin and redeeming you unto himself. So this is what Paul is referring to this principle that is communicated in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4. He's telling all believers in the Messiah to see themselves as if they came out of Egypt. 1 Corinthians 10.1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Messiah. It says I would not have you be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. Notice he uses the word all five times. But do you realize that all of our fathers passing through the sea is not literally true? Because my father and grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt. Your father and grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt. But if you are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel, you are to see yourself as if that event happened to you and to identify with it. And this is a Torah concept that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 12 through 15. Deuteronomy 29 verse 12, that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto you a God, as he has said unto you and as he has sworn unto your fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant covenant in the south. I'm not making this covenant just
just with you who I'm speaking to, but I'm making it with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. So if you were not there, you were there. That's what the God of Israel says. When we celebrate the redemption, which is Passover, the commandment in Exodus chapter 13 verse 8 says, and you shall show your son in that day, saying, this is done because of that which the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. You're to tell your son in that day. That's future generations. That day is also an idiomatic expression that refers to the messianic era. It's that day. So we'll still be telling our sons in that day in the messianic era that I came out of Egypt, that they came out of Egypt. And this is the commandment during Passover is to tell your sons that this happened to them. But telling a son in that day that he came out of Egypt, that's not literally true. So if it's not literally true, why is there a commandment to tell them that? Well, it's because it is a Torah concept. And so why did the God of Israel redeem his people from Egypt? And as believers in the Messiah, we're to identify with it. Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a token unto you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you will serve God upon this mountain. That's the reason for redemption, is to serve God. And notice where you serve him, on the mountain. And so we were redeemed from Egypt so that we would serve God on the mountain. If we serve God on the mountain, we're keeping his Torah. That is the purpose of the redemption, is to serve him on the mountain. Another principle of redemption is when the God of Israel redeems his people, it is associated with knowing his name. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, it says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they will say, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus you shall say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus you shall say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and that is my memorial for all generations. How does the God of Israel want to be remembered for all eternity? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If we look at the name of the God of Israel, yod heh vav in Hebrew, it has the numerical value of 26. A Yod is equivalent to 10 in Hebrew. A He is equivalent to 5. A Vav is equivalent to 6. And a He is equivalent to 5. So if you add up the numerical value of yod heh vav it is 26. What's the significance of that? That's because from Adam to Moses is 26 generations. He revealed his name, which has the numerical value of yod heh vav in the 26th generation of mankind. From Adam to Noah, 10 generations. From Shem to Abram, 10 generations. And then we have Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Kohat, Amram, and Moses. 26 generations from Adam to Moses. Another principle of redemption is the recognition of the God of Israel redeeming his people and that you are in the days of redemption. It is a process and it comes in stages. In the book Sound Great Shofar, Rebbe Shadirson make mention of this point that the redemption comes in stages. That is because when Moses first announced God's redemption to the people in Egypt, they believed him and bowed to God in grateful acknowledgement. Nevertheless, when it did not happen right away, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit. Pharaoh doesn't know Yahweh. So there's a principle when God of Israel is about to rename his people, the leaders of the world and the world system don't recognize him, don't honor him. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And after 
Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So redemption is associated with knowing the God of Israel, because he said, I will display my power, I will bring forth my host from Egypt, and Egypt will know that I am God. Exodus chapter 7, verse 5 says, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Thus says the Lord, In this you shall know that I am the Lord, because I will smite with the rod that is in my hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they will be turned to blood. Exodus chapter 8, verse 22, And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end that they may know that I am the Lord. So who are the two groups of people that's knowing that he's the Lord? His people and also the world, Pharaoh and Egypt. A couple other scriptures that say the same thing. Exodus chapter 14 verse 4, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he should follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Exodus 14 verse 18, When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariot, and upon his horsemen. Now we see the same principle in Isaiah chapter 37 verses 18 through 20. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria had laid waste all the nations and their countries. And they have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord. Save us, that everyone will know that you are the Lord. You see the principle? Same thing that was mentioned in Egypt. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 25 and 26. Thus says the Lord, Even the captives of my mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contends with you. I will save my children. How's he contending? He is judging them. And I will feed them that oppress you with their own flesh, and they will be drunken with their own blood, and with the sweet wine, and all flesh will know that I am the Lord and your Savior and your Redeemer. Notice, once again, he's judging. I'm going to contend those that contend with you, and they will all know that I am the Lord, your Savior, the Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Once again, this principle was seen in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 14 through 16. The sons also of them that afflicted you shall come bending unto you, and all they that despised you shall bow themselves down at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through you, I will make you an eternal excellency, a joy of many nations. Now what is associated when he's making his people of joy of many nations after they've been forsaken and hated? Isaiah 60, 16. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings, and you will know that I am the Lord, is the Savior and the Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. We see this principle in the battle between Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 38, verse 18, 22, and 23 says, It will come to pass at the same time when Gog will come against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will come up in my face. I will plead against him with, look, I'm going to plead against Gog with pestilence and with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. You see the parallel of the judgment that was upon Egypt? Thus I will make 
magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. When's all the nations got to know he's the Lord? When he judges the enemies of his people. Ezekiel 39, verse 1, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they will know that I am the Lord. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the themes of Passover. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.